Well, hello, everyone. I'm James Dobson, and you're listening to Family Talk, a listener-supported ministry. In fact, thank you so much for being part of that support for James Dobson Family Institute. Well, welcome back to Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh. You know, we live in a fast-paced world, and it can be hard to find time in our busy day to even take a short, meaningful break. This message is trickling down to our kids as well, and it's having a negative effect on them. Balance really is the key. I think about these words from the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, when he wrote, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In addition, the home environment we create for our children has the biggest impact on their lives. Uh, Some things that can be damaging are conflict in the home, divorce, even drastic and sudden changes of any other type. In today's classic conversation here on Family Talk, Dr. James Dobson joins his dear friend, Dr. Archibald Hart, to discuss these factors that are damaging the mental, physical, and spiritual health of our children and teenagers. Now, Dr. Dobson and Dr. Arch Hart had been close friends for nearly 45 years. They worked together on many projects. Since the original recording of this program several years ago, Dr. Hart has been called home to be with the Lord Jesus, and his wife Kathleen is with him in heaven as well. Dr. Hart was a renowned clinical psychologist and a certified psychopharmacologist. He served as dean of the School of Psychology at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California for many, many years. During his tenure there, Dr. Hart taught many classes, including for the Doctorate of Ministry program. He published over 30 books, including titles like The Anxiety Cure, The Digital Invasion, and Adrenaline and Stress. Today's discussion centered around Dr. Hart's book entitled Stress and Your Child. So let's join Dr. Arch Hart right now with our own Dr. Dobson on this classic edition of Family Talk. We don't teach children how to relax. We only teach them how to work. When they are relaxing, when they're taking things a little easy, when they're just lying on a bed, listening to some music, uh, we we go at them and say, you know, get off the bed. There are things to be done. You shouldn't sit around. Life's passing you by. Because the, the whole theme of the book has to do with the fact that serious stress disease in later life has its origin in childhood. Yeah. Stress doesn't begin in your 20s or 30s or 40s. It begins in your 10s and, and maybe your teens. It occurs to me, Arch, that our kids are a whole lot like us. And uh, it's it's really kind of naive to think that our kids are immune to that and aren't caught up in it. And there are many factors that uh, create stressful environments for children. Uh, there's the child, him or herself. There is the environment. There is the family. And, you know, it's so wonderful to be talking about stress in the context of the family because I think that that is the arena in which most stress uh, occurs. And if the family unit is not a functioning, efficient, warm, loving, caring unit, I think that stress there is going to be more serious on that child than anywhere else. Uh, We're talking about stress in childhood. Uh, I have uh, some information in front of me. Nearly 3,000 children in the United States alone, see their parents get a divorce each day, each isn't day. it? 
3,000 a day. That is unbelievable. 1,629 children each day are put in adult jails. 3,288 young people run away from home. 1,512 students drop out of school. And 7,742. Two teens become sexually active every day. Every day. I mean, the stress level is incredible. It's, it's enormous. And parents are just not recognizing their children's stress. You know, they, they, we have this blind spot, I think, Jim, about our children. They'll, they'll do fine. They're okay. And until one day maybe something serious yeah. happens. But, but I think that the average parent is just not aware of the fact that they are laying the foundation in their child's youth. Uh, for serious stress problems later in life. Uh, Arch, this subject is so uh, coordinated with the previous discussion we had on adrenaline and stress in Mm -hmm. adults that I'd like to start the second program by going back to that discussion and and giving parents just a little information that we discussed in a two- or three-day program before. (laughs) Uh, You really see uh, stress being related to disease and uh, particularly heart disease, uh, in just in terms of the kind of lifestyle we live, and that adrenaline plays a key role in yes. that. You know, the heart disease is the most serious health problem we have. More people die from that than anything else. I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but in my understanding, the essence of the stress problem is really over-arousal. It's having too much of that good stuff we call adrenaline circulating in our bodies. You see us getting arousal hormone, and we become we can become addicted. We are an addicted society, and people who would drop from fright if they thought that they were drug addicts are in fact addicted to this powerful hormone we call adrenaline, and that lies behind the type A personality, lies behind the fast track phenomenon and is the essential ingredient in all stress disease, whether you look at headaches or stomach problems or high blood pressure or the depositing of fatty substances in the arteries. It's part of this reaction that God created us with to deal with emergency. But life is not an emergency, or at least should not be one long emergency. So he didn't intend for us to get up on that plane and stay there. Adrenaline is intended to ebb and flow and ebb and flow. Mountains should be followed by valleys. And the, the concept of the Sabbath and uh, so forth is the concept of a time for rest and recovery. And yet people are less exhilarated in the valley and do something to pump the adrenaline that, back that's up. That's right, because when the valley comes, it's too down, you feel depressed, yeah. it doesn't feel good. The mountaintop feels so much more, more exciting. We were designed, Jim, in my opinion, for camel travel. And most most of us are trying to be supersonic jets. And we cannot. I mean, that's that's the essence of the stress problem. And as it applies to children is that uh, uh, we don't give them those valleys sufficiently. We take away the valleys. We put them on a mountaintop and it becomes one long plateau. Hmm. Uh, for these kids. And then, uh, and that does fine until your mid-30s or late-30s or early-40s. And then you pay the piper. Hmm. That's when you begin to reap the consequences of that stress. What do you say when people say uh, you can't can't make it on a camel anymore. I mean, you, you've got to move. You've got to go. That's life in a big city. You can't uh, slow down. Well, I, I, I live in a big city, and I know how to slow down uh, 
you know, I, I have been able to take care of myself sufficiently to to reverse stress disease that I was was developing. It's all a matter of, of self-management, uh, of self-control, of self-discipline. But people believe that that high, exciting lifestyle, adrenaline-driven lifestyle is normal. I mean, that the sound level that has increased dramatically in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the television uh, stimulation and bombardment. Uh, movies have got to be much more dramatic and stimulating to, to get a reaction anymore. And, uh, because we've already up there. To get any sort of reaction on top of a peak, you got to do something pretty, pretty dramatic. You know, I watched uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window a while back. And remember that as as one of the best movies of the time, mm-hmm. and yet it moves so slowly. I mean, compared to today's Today, movies, I mean, it it was pedestrian. And yes. I was saying, hurry up! I get right, the right, point. Right. Keep moving. Yes. But you see, <laughs> we are conditioned then to higher levels of stimulation, and there's an adaptation process going up. And so when you up at, at this level of stimulation, that becomes blah, uh-huh. and you need something even more dramatic on top of that. You telling parents to slow their children's world down. Two things, how to lower the adrenaline arousal of their children by reducing the amount of stimulation that they give their children. And secondly, teach your child how to build in valleys of recovery for recuperation. In your book, Stressing Your Child, you indicate that parents are the problem. A lot of the time. A parent set the tone of, for the environment. See, there are two ingredients in childhood stress. The child and how he or she is made up and functions, and then the environment. And the, the first environment the child encounters is the home environment. And when homes are conflicted, when, when the home has a lot of anger and hostility and conflict going on, that child's adrenaline is up. That child's emergency system is, is alerted for the danger. And that child will go to bed and, and the stress disease process will be at work in its body. Let's talk specifically about the dysfunctional family and what parents can do. Let's uh, let's talk about divorce. Uh, we said that that's a very very common source of stress uh, for uh, what do we say 3000 uh, children a day. children a day are divorced. Uh, and that process is not occurring in one day. It occurs over a childhood. Uh, what does the parent who sees that evidence of stress in the child after conflict that has resulted in a separation or divorce? How do they reach out to them? I mean, you can't make it go away. You no, can't, you can't uh, make it go away. You can't control every life circumstance. But there are lots of things you can do to, to help a child go through that period and not suffer as much damage. As, and I'm convinced that divorce is extremely damaging to children. Okay. How, do, how do they help? You, first of all, make sure that you change things slowly. Uh, sudden change. Change is stressful. Mm. That's true for us as adults. Boy, it really it certainly is. is. Change is stressful because it, it evokes a whole new set of uh, reactions and defenses and so forth. So uh, parents who, for whatever reason, are divorcing, change things slowly, first of all. Secondly, don't ignore your child's feelings. Uh, children hurt. I was divorced when I was 12 years of age. That pain, that hurt. You still remember it? I, vividly. Vividly. It's part of my what I call my unfinished business. And every adult child of divorce has this tremendous amount of unfinished business to take care of it. The anxiety, the fear, the, 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 the panic you feel 
when the family begins to disintegrate. And it doesn't matter how conflicted the family is. When finally the step is taken to separate, you have a very, very serious uh, amount of stress mm. in that child. So, so important so to keep them talking. To keep them talking. Keep them have feeling. them share their yeah. feelings. Because what I discovered, uh, the frustrating thing for me as a, as a young child, I couldn't talk to anybody. If I wanted to talk to my mom, she was having so much pain. She didn't want to hear what I had to say. And then boys turn inward, which is why boys suffer more stress than girls in the divorcing process. Uh, I, I think that parents can help tremendously by minimizing their conflict in front of the children. Why is it when divorce occurs that parents have got to have so much uh, visible conflict impacting their children? Why can't they be civil in front of the children and go and do their fighting and scrapping uh, around the corner? It's not or, rational, or, though, is no, it? No, it's not I rational. Mean, I know it's not two people out of control with yes. each other. And, uh, but that father will go to work and he'll perform perfectly normally in the work situation. He won't be out of control there. I really think we mustn't just leave parents to think that because it's so intensely emotional, therefore they don't have to worry about exercising control. I think you have to exercise control. Uh, let me press you a little yeah. bit. Uh, do you ever recommend that people who consider themselves incompatible stay together for the welfare of the children? Absolutely. Yeah. All the time. I do too. Uh, uh, people can change. Incompatibility, Jim, is the given. Yeah. There is no such thing as compatibility. Everything is relative. Incompatibility is the given. You have to overcome that incompatibility, and that's the miracle that God works. No, I, I, I don't believe that incompatibility is grounds for breaking up a marriage. The, the child then, uh, going through all of this, will experience a lot of stress symptoms. I think anything you can do to uh, help that child get extra sleep, uh, in fact, all the, the, the techniques mm -hmm. I talk about in the book for stress-proofing your child would apply in that situation and would help to relieve the child from the stress consequences uh, of, of that divorce. I know you're aware of Dr. Wallerstein's uh, work am, that yes. shows yes. that children are actually more disturbed and more stressed five years after yes. the divorce That's right. than at the time of the yes. divorce. It and does not go it away. It doesn't go away, and it goes into adulthood. And the phenomenon of adult children of divorce, I think, is a very, very valid one. Uh, and now you see that after the divorce, now we get into the remarriage, the new blended family, the new that stress doesn't go away. Now you have a whole new set of stressors. Mm. Uh, you have a, a step parent who's a stranger who often doesn't like you. Uh, I, it's rare that I meet a step-parent who will say to me, you know, I really like my stepchild. I, I have never, this is a strong statement, yeah. I have never seen a blended family that did not go through major, a major, extremely difficult adjustment period. And some of yeah. them never made it. Most of That's them right. uh, just have to live with it. Yeah, but the adjustment is stress for the child. Yeah. You see, I mean, this is not just purely in the head. That child's body will be responding with lots of adrenaline as if it were uh, life-threatening. And mm. uh, then the whole stress situation increases and, and headaches will intensify and stomach problems and just general aches and get sick a lot. Uh, and, and again, it's not as if nothing can be done. I, I think that we need to do a lot better job in pre-marriage counseling for remarried couples. Mm. I, I think that uh, we 
put a lot of emphasis on pre-marriage counseling for first-time marriages. But I think if no one should get married a second time without a very, very thorough premarital counseling course. And yet most single parents, uh, women at least, think of the ultimate solution to their stressful situation. Getting married again. Getting married again. Yeah, and, and often they regret it. You know, there are there are exceptions, of course, one can't generalize, but boy, it does put a lot of stress on, on the child. Uh, speak specifically to the parent of a of a hard driving type A personality in a child, uh, the straight A student who would get depressed if the, if they got a B plus. Uh, you know, who puts such mm-hmm. enormous pressure on themselves to perform. Yes, uh, but you see, that pressure, although it, it becomes internalized, originates outside in the parent. And, and if you have a child like that, then you really have to ask yourself, what message am I sending that child? And, and perhaps sit down and, and start a process of educating your child in a more balanced set of, of expectations and values. I think we have to teach our children that they cannot be good at everything, perfect at everything. Well, Maybe even choose a parent <laughs> who, who takes a chance. Says, Look, we're going to choose to do something today that neither you nor I are good at. And we're mm. going to do it just so we can learn that it's okay not to be perfect at something. Academic institutions reinforce that kind of performance sure in a they type do. A child too, though. It's they not do. just parents, is it? I mean, it's not uh, just parents. The whole system te- does Teachers uh, sure. you know, write letters to the parents saying how great the kid is and yes. he gets a lot of reward and feedback. That's Relatives right. say, yeah. straight A's, my sure. goodness. Uh, and if a child has it, that's not a problem. But, but, but even for the brilliant child, I think that child whose father, say, has been able to communicate to, to that child that, that the performance is not the ultimate value. I, I know you've given it your best. And if you come in with a B minus, C plus, D or F, uh, I know you've given it your best and I will value the same uh, for that is is teaching that child is stress proofing that child this is what i talk about in the book as stress proofing it's like uh, taking a piece of cloth and making it waterproof dipping it in certain chemicals we need to take our children and dip them in uh, certain experiences certain attitudes certain behaviors that will one day shed the stressors so a child who knows how to receive criticism positively, constructively. The child who knows how to fail graciously and learns from that failure. The child who, who understands the role of forgiveness in, in all of life. I mean, that child has a fantastic uh, set of resources with which to live. And that all directly relates to the stress phenomenon. And it is parents who shape that, who develop mm-hmm. that, and then often have to counteract the other influences of the school system and so forth. And, and we have to be intentional about uh, how we do that educating of our children. I have never found a real good way to put this thought into words, and I'll probably fumble with it today. But uh, for the, the child who has the other problem, the other end of the continuum from that hard-driving type A, straight A mentality, uh, the, the child who does not have the self-discipline to carry that daily responsibility, and he's a classic underachiever. Uh, that child's under a lot of stress, too. He well, looks yes. lazy. He looks like he's floating. He looks like he doesn't care. Uh, he's often yeah. uh, torn up inside oh, because yeah. he's not performing and he knows it. Yeah, that's well, right. When I see one of those youngsters who, by his temperament, 
does not fit the academic mold mm-hmm. and just not that way, just doesn't function well in school. No. I strongly recommend that parents put an arm around that kid and tell him it's okay, it's okay. and put the emphasis someplace right. else. Right. I know educators might not understand that and, <laughs> and it isn't what they want parents no. to say, but if a kid can't make it in that world, yeah. I'll take him out of that world and, and let him make it someplace yes. else. Yes, that's know. what I call faceting, and I talk about it in the book, where the task of the parent is to help a child identify its strengths. Now, in my opinion, there is no child on God's earth that doesn't have some strengths, some talents that, that could be developed. Now, that it, book learning may not be where it's at, yeah. but how, how do you know that that child doesn't have tremendous craftsman skills who, who couldn't carve or, or make beautiful furniture or paint or sing or sing or dance or has such a beautiful, couldn't have a beautiful personality that can, that can minister to, to others? I think that we bring to parenting, and this causes stress in children, preconceived ideas, plans that we've drawn up for how we want our child to turn out. And I, and I think we have Some to monitor that's related to our own peer pressure. Uh, that our own anyway. peer pressure and our own unfulfilled dreams yeah. and, 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 yeah. and ideal self. The parent who can be honest and say, I will start at the point of discovering my child's strengths. And we did this with, with one of our daughters. She was the one who who didn't have a beautiful singing voice. And, oh, it would have been wonderful if we could all have mm-hmm. formed this wonderful quintet, you know. She didn't <laughs> have a good singing voice. And she was beginning to act out. And then we turned it around and we began to value the few things she could do and do them well. And suddenly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she began you to see blossom. see that little flower yeah, open up. <laughs> it begins to blossom. It's fascinating. It's the, it's a, the process by which you, you take the dull diamond and you begin to put the, the, the bright faces on it and then begin to bring out the brilliance. And every diamond has its own pattern that has to be shaped. This entire discussion and the entire process of attempting to stress-proof or de-stress your children starts with being able to get behind the eyes of the child and see what he or she is feeling and seeing and feel that emotion and then reacting accordingly, isn't it? It, it is that. You've got to get into you the world of the child. And get into the world of the child so you understand it, so you see the world through the child's eyes. And that means slowing down yourself, you see. There. I mean, yeah. take the fast-track parents where, you know, they're into money and into possessions and both got or their jobs survival, going. Or well, be fair. Yeah, Some of them, yeah, but, but you, you see, know. but survival is relative, Jim. Yeah. For many of them, you know, survival is whether they can keep up payments on the BMW or some other fantastic possession they've got. Uh, sometimes it's not survival, survival that drives fast-track parents. But I think it is a fact that at a certain point in the child's life, many parents just sort of hand them over and are no longer taking a vital personal interest in what that child is doing or how it's managing its life or how it's experiencing stress. Hmm. The name of the book is Stress in Your Child, Its Causes, Dangers, and Prevention by Dr. Archibald Hart. Good stuff, Arch. Well, Good practical you. stuff. We call it nuts and bolts. <laughs> this, yes. this is a big book, uh, nearly 250 pages of advice uh, related to this subject, and, and most of it uh, highly pragmatic. You're dealing with very yes. specific situations. Right. Lots of uh, work uh, charts in it, lots of tests in it to really give a parent a handle on the, the stress life of their child. Uh, it's directed to the parents who 
can shape or destroy a child. It's directed also to how you help your child. What do you do for your child? And so it has that double-barreled uh, focus. When are you going to write one for teachers so they can recognize stress <laughs> in their children? Well, uh, this yeah. this subject goes on and on, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it mean, does. It touches all of us one yeah, way or all another. Us. All of us. Arch, it's always good to have you here. You always have good things to say, good insights to share with us. I appreciate the man you are. You love the Lord, don't you? I love the Lord. Uh, there's never been any doubt about that. No, never. Thank you, Jim. It's very good to be with you. Well, what an insightful broadcast we've heard these past couple of days here on Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh, and I hope you learned something from this classic interview, especially if you are a parent. You know, a child's mother and father play critical roles in how they approach and deal with stress. You can visit our broadcast page for more information on how to get a copy of Dr. Hart's popular book called Stress and Your Child. Go to drjamesdobson.org for more information. Once you're there, you'll also find a link for Dr. Hart's organization that continues to support families. You'll find all of this when you go to drjamesdobson.org and then click onto the broadcast icon at the top of the page. We would love to hear how these insightful programs are impacting you and your family. And you can let us know when you go now to Family Talk's Facebook page and comment on today's broadcast post. We appreciate hearing how these interviews with our many guests are encouraging you and your family. So visit Facebook.com and search for Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Then leave your comments and thoughts on today's broadcast post. And please know we look forward to hearing from you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I hope you'll join us again next time right here on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute. Hi, this is Dr. Tim Clinton for the James Dobson Family Institute. At the Dobson Family Institute, we're committed to helping you understand the importance of passing on your faith, not only to your children, but to your children's children too. Check out drjamesdobson.org today for helpful hints, tips, and advice to help make this happen. Remember this, your legacy matters. Tuning into your favorite ministry or catching your favorite talk show. These are just a couple of reasons why more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio monthly. Visit dependonam.com to help keep AM radio in vehicles for the next generation.